you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Give the Lord praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have been in the presence of the Lord today. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your worship. You may be seated today. First, let me say thank you to the members of this church for the years of sacrifice, prayer, labor, and faithful giving. It was 15 years ago this month when I first mentioned the dream of this building. We didn't know what it was going to look like but we knew we were going to have to do something. Our church was growing. Our parking lot was filling up, and so were the seats. Two properties, three different design drawings, and seven years later, we eventually broke ground. And you stayed with the vision through two major capital stewardship campaigns the purchase of property that ended up selling. We designed the first building and outgrew it before we could ever start construction. We designed the second building but ran out of seats and parking spaces before we could raise enough money to build it, pushing us to what someday is planned to become our gymnasium and fellowship space. Don't get too pointed. The pain we were feeling let us know that we had to move. For many of us, it was painful. I was, my wife and I were married in our old building. Many of you received the Holy Ghost there and were baptized there. Our children were dedicated in that building. There was a lot of great memories. It goes on today to be 
and autism, a school for autistic children. It was painful to walk out the doors and move to where God wanted to take us, but that's how it always is. God doesn't let us get too comfortable too long. The opportunity that presented itself to purchase this property came along and it led to new plans, new ideas, a three-year long construction project. And five years ago this month, we moved into this wonderful place that we call home. The building was completed by volunteer labor. Many men and women that dedicated literally hundreds or thousands of hours so that we can sit here and worship God in this beautiful place. We're blessed. We are highly favored of the Lord. Last year, opportunity and ministry needs pushed us into the renovation of the old existing building to the north of where we are this morning. It allowed us and afforded us the opportunity through some miraculous things that happened for this church to transition. About half of that building, about 6,400 square feet from storage into very nice, usable ministry space. Hopefully before too long, we can do a walkthrough just so all of our members can see where we are in the process. It will shock you. It's going to be nice. It's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be the place where lives are changed. This new building is going to impact pretty much every ministry of our church. We will have fellowship there. Our youth and children will both move there. Our change group will have a new place. Our ministry leaders will have additional office space. Our counseling programs can grow and flourish. Dinners and fellowships and banquets and showers and birthday parties and whatever it may be will all be able to happen there. It's large enough that even entire services can be held. It's a wonderful place God has given us. We have come this far by faith and cash. And we're going to finish by faith and cash. But we must never forget that the ministry and the mission of this church is not about buildings, but to reach the lost, to disciple the saved, and to train the called. While we're thankful for what we have, we do still have a ways to go. God has provided our every need all along the journey. And I believe that God is giving us the opportunity to trust Him once again. When unforeseen things happened during our planned construction by authorities that came in and said, we have to purchase different doors and 
delete things we had planned for and add things we had not planned for. And it started changing all of our plans and things began to look bleak. In the middle of all of that, God has continued to provide. He's always come through. And I believe that he's calling this church at this juncture to do our part through sacrificial giving so that he can do his part and finish his plan and fulfill the prophecies that have been spoken over this congregation. I stand here not this morning with a polished presentation, but I stand with more unction of the Holy Ghost and anointing. I know God is with us, and I know God has a plan for us, and I know where we've been is nowhere close to being as great as where he's wanting to take us to. Before this service is over, I'm going to ask the church, Annette and I included, to prepare to give yet again to secure the future of this church. Members of this church are so familiar because for 15 years we've been sacrificing and watching God do what we're unable to do. Miracles have happened. I considered this morning spending the time to talk about many of the miracles that happened from the very beginning when we first started talking about building. It was sacrifices, unforeseen sacrifices, things we never believed, people going above and beyond what seemed possible. Taryn, I didn't ask you for permission, but I want you to stand for this morning. Everybody in this church pretty much knows who Taryn is. Taryn is God's miracle to Jason and Desa Emery because they obeyed in our first cap capital stewardship campaign. You're a child of promise. Ha, thank you. I could go around the room this morning and I could talk about those who sacrificed and gave and God came through. Those who gave and God multiplied it in measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Lives that were put back together. Lost children that were nowhere near the house of God. But after the sacrifices, they came walking in. Some of you are the product of the miracles that God has placed on this church over the last few years. But I can't spend all of my time this morning just talking about miracles and building faith. It would thrill our hearts and we would celebrate and maybe someday we'll just do it. Maybe a Thanksgiving Sunday would be in order when we can just give thanks to the Lord for the miracles that he has done. Most every family in this church could stand this morning and testify because of God I am here this morning. Miracles have happened in my life because I heard the voice of God and I obeyed. But I want to set the stage for this moment with an exhortation from the Word of God, if I may. In Psalm 84 and verse number 10, the writer says, For 
a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper, he said, in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I want to speak for a few moments today about a sacrifice for God's house. Most of us have heard or read of the building of Solomon's temple. It's a beautiful story in the scripture. It was the most significant structure from the exterior to the interior. It was the most significant structure ever built by Israel unto the Lord. Several chapters of the Bible detailed the planning, the preparation, and the incredible process of erecting that sacred structure. The Bible even goes so far as to describe the wealth of materials used within and without that incredible building. One of the most powerful stories of the Holy Scripture is that of the dedication service of the temple. It was an occasion that almost defies description when God's glory became so thick as it settled upon the house of God and the people of God that the priests could not even stay inside the building. The priests could not minister the cause of the hovering of the presence of God. I've been in some powerful services, but never quite like that. I've been in services where people literally took photos and pictures of a haze over the crowd where the glory of God seemed to be settling in in scriptural proportions. But never so thick as I read about to where people could not even minister. But I have been in the presence of God where I was literally arrested and unable to move or function beyond my own ability just to be aware of what was going on because the presence and power of God was so strong. It's interesting to note that although we refer to this temple as Solomon's temple, King David, Solomon's father was actually the one most deserving of the credit for the construction and building of God's house. Consider this. If it was built today, one building would cost over $10 billion in today's currency. And think of this. One man, David, gave over 90% of that for the building of that temple. To whom much is given, much is required. David literally, physically, for years stockpiled the raw materials needed for the task of building Solomon's temple. The cedars from Lebanon, the stone from the quarries, during construction, it took 10,000 men, 11 full years, just to cut the wood for the temple. And then it was constructed off-site and everything brought in and not even as much as the sound of a hammer could be heard. Everybody say sacrificial giving. That's 
the hard part of building God's house. Everybody talks about the building dedication. And yes, God was there and it was powerful and it was awesome. But God never forgets about the sacrifices that lead up to the building dedication. Although due to COVID, when we moved into this building, we never actually had an official building dedication service. We took a Sunday night, anointed the building and prayed over it. Never truly an advertised building dedication. I don't know, maybe that'll change when we finish the North Building. Maybe we can dedicate this whole campus to the Lord. Press on a few chapters in your Bible following that story that I just shared with you. David now has passed on. His body is in the grave. His son Solomon is king. And Solomon built the temple from David's sacrifices. And when it was erected, according to 1 Kings chapter 6, it tells us that it was the smoothest building project in history. Everything seemed to just fall into place. When I was preparing late last night or early this morning to stand before you and preach and I got to this part of the story I felt a word of the Lord for this congregation there is a season that is coming to this church when people are going to look around and wonder how is all of this happening because there is a season we have been in a season of sacrifice, a season of pain, and a season of struggle. But there is a season coming to this church when things are going to begin to fall into place. For every sickness, there will be a miracle. And for every need, there will be overflow. Because God's presence is going to be with us. But it's not going to be by accident. It is because of the sacrifices of men and women that are in this room and some that have gone on before us that have set the stage to bring us to where we are. And people on the outside are going to look and say, how is it happening? But God is going to say, I saw your sacrifices and your faithfulness and now everything is falling into place. Without David's investment into the future, Solomon's name would have hardly even been known. It would just be a footnote in sacred history. Solomon's life was made infinitely easier because of his father's investment. I hope this settles in. The overwhelming task of building and growing a glorious house of God was made possible because of a father that had foresight to place investments into the future of the church. Can I sidebar and share with you this morning that at 55 years old, I have such deep respect for my 89-year-old father. When he passes on, I've seen his will. There's very little to be shared. 
because he gave his entire life and and my inheritance to the kingdom of God. But he gave his children something that money cannot buy. It's because of my father's investment that I stand before you. It was my father that taught me how to pray. It was my father that taught me how to walk by faith and not by sight. It was my dad's investment that taught me when you get in a bind, give your way out of it. It was my dad that taught me be faithful in the good times and the bad. I stand before you this morning to tell you every sacrifice that you make, you may never see it in wonder. Is God understanding? But your children and your grandchildren are going to reap the benefit benefit of God's house and every sacrifice that you make into God's house. One day when this church is the premier church in north central Indiana, the story will be told about people who gave, people who prayed and worshipped and labored to ensure that Christian Life Church could reach its fullest potential. I want to challenge this youth group, every young adult, every young married couple that is in this room. It was just a short few years ago when we used to celebrate all-night prayer meetings, Friday night youth gatherings that ended into all-night prayer meetings. I come this morning to tell you, don't let that hit the pages of the history book without you tasting and seeing what it's like to have the experience on your own. I've got a feeling that over the next few months in this church, that our greatest days that we've celebrated revival and talked about impact that happened 13 years ago where we baptized 58 people but that the kingdom of God may flourish and this church will grow. We are going to baptize them. We are equipped to teach them. We are equipped to train them. Bible study teachers are ready and getting ready. Path of life is ready. Altar workers are going to be prepared. It's going to happen. Get ready CLC. Revival is coming because of your sacrifice. Oh, would somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? The day will come when the story will be told about our humble beginnings, which set in motion an unstoppable congregation. Their resources, it will be said, were small, but they sacrificed, they prayed. And they gave. Yes, they had disappointments, but they never gave up hope. Yes, they went through a season. A three-year season when eight significant members of our church received devastating news of cancer in their body. But I'm going to keep rebuking that. This is just a season, but we're going to come out the other side. 
a season when it seemed like it would be easier to lose hope. COVID, cancer, people that have walked away through times of despair. But I come today to prophesy to this church. Our vessels are standing. You may not all agree with me this morning, but all I need is two or three, and I can put 10,000 devils to flight this morning because I know the power and I know what God has said. We're living that story, that story that would be told about our faith and our sacrifice. Today, we have the opportunity to create a new story in history. We have at our fingertips the opportunity to leave a legacy for those who will come after us. Today begins the sacrifice offering. It will be the first, and for the next 24 months, we will faithfully give once a month, weekly, bi-weekly, however you choose. And we are going to leave a legacy. Over the next two years, we will finish the North Building a whole lot sooner than two years. In September of 24, we will see a revival come to this church that is going to be remarkable. God is going to supply every need of this church. And what seems impossible is going to be made possible. It's our privilege to ensure that our children and our grandchildren have a one God, apostolic, Bible preaching, Bible teaching, holiness living church. I don't want my grandkids to grow up with less than what my kids grew up with. And I always said I don't want my kids to grow up with less than what I have. Come on, put your feet on the floor and declare. It doesn't matter what the world does. We're going to stand for Jesus. We're going to stand for truth. We're going to stand for righteousness. We're going to see a revival. Sweet North Central Indiana. I'm approaching a close. If the musicians want to come, I close with this question, how valuable and how present, how precious is the house of God to you? I want you to ponder with me this morning how valuable and how precious is the house of God to me and my family? Let me ask you today, what is the worth of one day in God's kingdom. My wife and I have had a troublesome last two days, not between us. That could have really been misinterpreted. Let me say it differently. My wife and I have wept with families that are hurting. We have prayed 
station. We have been there with other things. Those in need. Those in trouble. We have felt the pains deeply of the Spirit. I understand why that I'm moved with such passion or compassion this morning. Because I genuinely know this house, the wonderful people that God has given you and has given us, the privilege of standing in this pulpit and preaching to you every week. I don't deserve the It's a greater blessing to me than I am to you. But I understand and I know that when you walk through some dark days, some difficult days, such as my wife has walked through with some of you, some of our online listeners this morning, some that may not be here, I walked into the house of the Lord this morning I wasn't sure I wasn't sure what God was going to do but from the very first song I felt the presence of God just sweep over us I have felt his presence so strong in this room today I have felt his healing I have sensed his anointing it is rested on this congregation this morning in such a powerful way. I didn't know God was going to do this when I penned these words last night. But I can testify to you and tell you that one moment in his presence is greater than a thousand days elsewhere. What's God's house worth to you? What is God's presence worth to you? David said, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. How valuable David is one day in God's house. What a worthy question. David, in his 84th Psalm, would say that a single day in God's house is worth more than a be the lowest servant, he would say, in God's house is better than living in the palaces of the wicked. Simply stated, the worst day of your life when you're serving God is better than your best day without having God on your side. In all the imperfections of the people that fill this room this morning, which are many, and I being the chiefest among you, with many imperfections and faults and failures. But when it really comes down to it, this is kind of how family works. I learned my three wonderful sons were 
fuss and argue and get on each other's nerves and the moment that I stepped in, all three of them would turn on me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In troublesome times, we see one another's faults and failures. We see the mistakes, the wrongdoings, the attitudes, the spirits, the things we would like to see changed. But when seasons of heaven has come, turmoil, trial, test, disappointment, struggle, when it all boils down and cooks down to one thing, I'm going to tell you, I would rather be in the house of the Lord with you, with his presence, than anywhere in the world when my back is against the wall because I have heard so much from you and I've watched your faithfulness and I've watched your lives and I trust your prayers. Trust your faith, and I know your faithfulness. How, how valuable is God's house? The story in the Bible demonstrates the worth of God's house. She came from afar. The queen was on a quest to satisfy her curiosity about King Solomon. Were the stories true, or was it more fiction than, le than legend? She had heard of the great and powerful blessings that had befallen the son of King David. She had heard of the wealth he had inherited from his conquering father. The queen of Sheba had also heard of his worship. How he, at the dedication of the temple, offered 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep to his God. She really didn't come to see the architecture when you read the end of the story. She really came to get her questions answered. I want you to know that God's house is where you'll get all of your questions answered. It's the only place that you'll get everything you need right here in God's house. You'll get direction and strength. 1 Kings chapter 10 and verse number 4, when the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cup bearers, his burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord. The Bible says she was overwhelmed. The King James Version says it like this. There was no more spirit in her. The New Living Translation simply says she was breathless. It took her breath away. I think it was so in awe that she literally fainted. Here's why. God's house is the place that your wonder will be restored. For those of you who are just living day to day and week to week and pushing yourself to be faithful, I'm going to tell you the wonder is not going to be found off somewhere else. Where the wonder is going to be found is in a service just like today when miracles begin to happen and God begins to move. That's where your wonder and awe of God is going to be found. 
stand with me around the room this morning. If that's you I'm talking to, if your wonder of God and of God's house has waned and you are finding it a little more familiar, too familiar, I want to tell you, you just need to come to the altar today. And you need to bring your sacrifice with you to the altar and you need to come and say, God, your word says that where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. So I'm starting today. And I bring my treasure into your house because I want my, I want my heart to follow. I've allowed things in my life maybe to get in the way, but I want to treasure the house of the Lord more than my hobbies, more than my activities, more than my wealth, more than all the pleasures of this world. Because one moment in your presence is worth more than a thousand days elsewhere. God's house is simply wondrous. Where else can you return beauty for ashes? Where else can we trade mourning for gladness? Where else can you exchange the spirit of heaviness for the garment of praise? I didn't know they were going to sing the song that they sang earlier and they didn't know what I was going to preach. But where else can you walk in sick and leave out whole? Where else can you walk in broken and walk out complete? Nowhere but in the house of the Lord. You can enter one way and leave another. You can walk in blind and leave with clear vision. You can come in empty and leave out filled. You can come in discouraged, but you can walk out encouraged. And when the queen saw it all, after it had taken her breath away and she walked out, she was going to try to describe what it was like just to be in Solomon's temple. She had very little to say. She didn't go into descriptive terms and try to talk about it and tell everybody what it was like. All she could say is, the half has not been told. I'm going to tell you about what you're going to find in God's house. It's going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's going to be it's going to be something you're going to try to describe it. When somebody says, tell me about the Holy Ghost in you, you're just going to say, I just don't have the words. I, I, I'm trying to articulate it, but I can't because in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I walked in that place broken, but I walked out of that place put back together. I walked in sick and left him. Today I'm asking families to come together. If your children, grandchildren are in the room, family units coming together, I want you to do so. Move about the room, whatever you have to do. But I want everybody to join us. I want you to bring your sacrifice. You can bring your cash offer to use electronic means or you can do that after service if you choose. This is a moment of prayer, consecration. This is significant for our church. If you're a guest, join with us this morning. I want you to come forward if you're an individual here without family. I want you to come here to the middle and join with my wife. She's going to be here in the center to join with those of you that are here today without family. And we're going to be one family together.
I want you to come bring that sacrifice. We're going to turn this house into a prayer room for a moment. And this is the commitment we're going to make today. We're going to recommit to the Lord's house. And we're going to recommit to being faithful. And we're going to ask God to restore the joy of our salvation. Come on, there's joy in this room for you today. Grab your family together. I want you to link up. Pray one for another this morning. Let's not go through the motions in this altar call. Let's come this morning and answer the question, what's one moment in his presence worth? Maybe you need to explain to your children or grandchildren what's going on this morning, but we're ensuring that we've got a place to come and worship. We're ensuring that this church is going to keep moving forward. We're giving towards harvest. We're giving towards souls. Come on, in your giving this morning, I want you to tell God what you're believing for. Maybe it's that lost loved one that's strayed away. Maybe it's that broken relationship that you're asking God to put back together. Maybe it's a miracle of healing in your family, in your home, in your life, in your body. Maybe it's restored finances. Maybe it's a resurrected ministry that it seems is over. God is calling us today. Come on, reach to him this morning. There's a miracle in the room for you today. It may seem impossible, but God's able to do it. He's able to do it. Come on, I want us to pray together. Don't just stand and look around with your family. I want you to pull them together. Heads of households, lay hands on those children. Grab that spouse. Pray together. Come on, seek the Lord this morning. what we're going to do this morning. We've come, we've gathered, we've sacrificed. At this moment, I want you to think about what's the greatest miracle that God could do in your life. What's the greatest miracle that he can do? What could you believe for this morning? What's the greatest thing? If you, if you could ask God anything, 
that he would do, what would that, what would that one thing be? If you feel to share it with your family, I want you to share it right now. Agree together. I want you to speak that. I want you to be verbal with it. I want you to speak. What is it that we're going to believe God for? What is it that we're praying for? What is it we're believing God for? Do that very quickly. Now I want you to take them by the hand right now and I want you to lift up your voice and I want you to begin to give God praise in advance. Come on, begin to give him praise in advance and declare it, God, we thank you in advance. We're not begging you for it. We're not crying and weeping and trying to get your attention. Lord, we are thanking you for it. Come on, lift your voice in that thanksgiving this morning. Come on, what is it that you're believing him for? Come on, lift your voice this morning. Yeah! 